Stevenson to the outside. They score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front. He scores! Five two nights. Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Stick to Stone, drop the puck. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show rolls along here. Ryan Wallace inside the Underground Lounge at the Oil Hotel and Casino. Always free parking. $1 blackjack tables. $2 Bud and Bud Light. Like, come on, get down here. Say hello. Hang out. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes are looking to extend their season. That game is about to drop the puck in just about seven minutes or so. And then you got Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. No Darren Millard in hour number two, but we do have a lot to get to. We've got um, Mallard's interview with Will Carrier. We have Bruce Cassidy, but I want to bring Chris Chapman in right now in this moment because I've had sort of my say on Jamie Benn. I have more. We're going to get to it. But I want to bring in Chris Chapman, and I want to get Chapman's thoughts on Jamie Benn, the cross-check, the play, the suspension, and more specifically, Jamie Benn's press conference from earlier today. So let's run that, and then I want to get Chapman's thoughts. Here's Jamie Benn explaining his side of the story. Uh, just unfortunate play. Um, I think I just need to be more responsible with uh, my body and my stick and um, you know, put my team in a tough situation. So um, you know, it's pretty unfortunate. That was my first shift of uh, a game uh, on home ice when you're when you're pretty jacked up and um, you know down one nothing. So you want to um, you know try and get your team going. Emotions are high, and uh, you know it's just uh, an unfortunate play. You know, obviously didn't want to take a five-minute penalty, but um, you know the game happens fast. Uh, emotions are high, and. Um, Obviously, would have liked to to not fall fall on him, and um, I guess use my stick as a landing point. Usually, don't talk to other players in a playoff series on other teams, but uh, you know, I saw he was okay, so that was great. Okay, so there's Jamie Ben. Obviously, I would have liked to have not fallen on him and use my stick as a landing spot. Chapman. <laughs> oh boy, uh, there's a lot to unwrap there um, <laughs> in that cop out, that uh, lack of accountability taken yep. by the Dallas Stars captain. Look, dude, we, we you'd have to be an idiot to think that he <laughs> fell and tried to use his stick as a landing point. You could see the aggression as he was doing it. Um, look, it, it, it's a bad look. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, I didn't know at the time until it was pointed out to me, the nasty cross check to the neck that he had on Dylan Larkin last year that ended Larkin's season. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's history 
of him using the stick. And I know he wasn't suspended for that for that cross check on Dylan Larkin, but nonetheless, it, it was disgusting. And, and I think that was the word that Jonathan Marshall so used in in the uh, intermission interview yeah. with Emily Kaplan. He said it was disgusting. I, I agree with Marshall. So it was disgusting. Look, guy, I understand emotions are high. You're down two to nothing in the series. You're losing one nothing in game one. You're already you, you've only been on the the ice for 58 seconds or whatever it is. You can't do that. You, mm-hmm. you, you got to be better than that. And to drive away without facing the media is cowardly. Um, look, I, I, I'd like to think if that was a player in the Golden Knights who did that, he would have faced the media last night. I don't think he would have gotten in his car and driven away and hidden from the media going home and thinking about an excuse to come up with. Jamie Benn had 58 minutes of, of hockey to come up with an excuse and face the media last night. He's the captain mm-hmm. of the Dallas Stars. And I have to question if that's something maybe Pete DeBoer visits in the summer. I don't know if I'd want that guy representing my team as the captain. And certainly there's younger and maybe more accountable players on that franchise, right? In that franchise right now, who would face the music and probably wouldn't have done such a vile, dirty move like that. And 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 look, I mean, I I I sit here in Vegas saying that, and maybe if I was in Dallas, I would I would be coming up with excuses to defend him, but the reality is it's an excuse well, if it, you're defending it, it. It hasn't been a nasty series either. And, no, and that's, that's the like, funny that's thing. The other, that's the other aspect of this for me. Like, okay, listen, because I've seen a lot of discourse about the Alex Petrangelo slash on Leon Dreisaitl. And, and he I was think, suspended for it, so, and I so think punishment served. We, we've all been very, very clear, right, that that wasn't a hockey play. It deserved the suspension. And you can understand because it was building to that point. With yes. Jamie Benn last night on Mark Stone, I don't understand the play in any context at all. Like, if, if you're getting run every single time you're on the ice, if you're late in the game and it's just gotten away from you, in that moment, I can understand having the emotions boil over to the point where you do something that undisciplined. But I don't understand it two minutes into the game. I don't understand it on your first shift of the game. And I don't understand the idea that we all don't have our own eyes. I don't understand the idea that you as the captain, if you're Jamie Benn, you're the captain of a team, it is your duty to speak no matter what the issue is, no matter how poorly you played or how great you played, no matter how many goals your team won by or how shelled in you got. It is your responsibility if you wear the C to speak. And he didn't do it last night. He did it this morning. And he didn't do himself, in my opinion, any favors. Because it's one thing to say, you know what? I was trying to spark my team, which he said there, then called it an unfortunate play. I, I would it imagine that the, 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 the sparking of the team isn't falling down on a guy and trying to brace yourself across his neck. Sparking your team is trying to go out there and be physical. So which one is it? There's no consistency even in the story that he's telling the media today. Listen, I don't care that Jamie Benn didn't speak to the media after, after last night's game. I really don't. And to be completely honest with you, the fact that he came out this morning, said what he said, to me was funny. Like, it was ridiculous. And I think we all recognize and understand, especially when you put the quote in front of the video, that it was just <laughs> nonsense. And if that's what you've got to do, 
then good on you, Jamie Ben. Did it get you one extra game off? Maybe. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, and you hit it on the head, Chapman, it is a lack of accountability. And when you're trying to win something, when you are trying to go to battle night in and night out with the guys in the room, you let your team down, but I think the lack of accountability speaks to a bigger issue. And you know what? By all accounts, I've heard about Jamie Ben, and he is a captain's captain and we've heard all the stories but this was one where he really missed the mark and I think it could have done good if he just came out and said yeah I made a mistake I made the wrong play and I'm accepting whatever consequences come my way yeah that that would have been a lot better and and maybe it wouldn't have resulted in him getting the the extra game I mean we'll never know but Ryan it it, it, it's the, the lack of accountability is what bugs me here because if you're a member of the Dallas Stars, like if you're Miro Haskinen or you're Joel Kiviranta, and you see your captain, you, you see him do that, and then you see him go in front of the media this morning and tell this fictitious story, like how do you put your faith in that guy as a captain? Like yeah, you, you, you want your captain to accept responsibility, even if it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. You want him to be the guy in front of things and, and, and basically you know, be in front of all of it. Two games, ben, two games fair to you? That. Two games fair to you? I was surprised. I didn't think he'd... I, I, I didn't think he would get a game. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I figured they were going to look at the idea that, that he basically missed all of last night. He, he played 58 seconds or whatever it was. And I, I, I figured they were going to say, yep, that's that's enough. And, you know, I mean, Max Domi didn't get a suspension, which I, which I don't think was warranted. Um, but... You know, it, I, I was a bit surprised he got two. I figured at the most he was going to get one, and it makes me wonder if, if him getting up there and kind of telling the story, like fairy tale, if, if Department of Player Safety looked at that and said, you know what, this guy doesn't care that he just made a nasty play. Yeah, I think remorse in that spot would have been the better play for Jamie Ben. but at the end of the day, we're not privy to those conversations. We don't know how that would or would not have impacted this supplemental discipline but the fact of the matter is no Jamie Ben for the next two games and for the Golden Knights an opportunity to clinch their spot in the Stanley Cup final and sweep Dallas that will come tomorrow in game number four Carolina Florida puck just dropped there Matthew Kachuk still chewing on a mouth guard still trying to agitate the Carolina Hurricanes so we'll keep uh, an eye on this game as we go along but earlier Today, maybe today, maybe yesterday. I don't really know when Mallard did the interview, but he did the interview with Will Carrier. So let's bring that to you right now. Here's Darren Millard with William Carrier. All right, let's start with the debate about who's in charge of the sewer ball, the soccer game. Apparently, I've learned that you are the judge and jury of this thing. Yeah, I don't really know I got the role, to be honest. Sometimes I hate it. It's just uh, some arguments sometimes go forever, and the boys are just trying to get warmed up here before games, right? So just trying to keep it short. And uh, I, really, I don't know. I think uh, I always uh, I always have like a good eye for it, and I always try pretty much the hardest out there. And uh, I think the, it kind of turned out to be me. But uh, sometimes I hate it. You know, boys are going at it, and you know the referee always gets the, the bad call out of it. Do you have more appreciation for the refs on the ice after going through that? Uh, yeah, I know you got beer tossing me or popcorn or anything, so it's kind of nice. But, uh, yeah, the, sometimes the boys are definitely uh, judging. And, and they start having, like, clans now. you got different groups, and they're going at it. And it's like, wow, okay. It used to be just a one-man show. Now it's, like, little groups of guys. Well, they were hot after it today uh, with uh, Marshy 
being on the fence of whether he should be out. And they were all over. I thought they wanted you to come back and play, but they wanted you to deal with it. Yeah, Marchia, Marchia has uh, two lives. So, uh, first of all, it's already, uh, I mean, uh, we did that because the first year he wanted to warm up and he was a terrible soccer player. So, he'd get out the first all the time. So, give him a couple of lives. We call it the swaggy. But, uh, yeah, and uh, even after two lives, sometimes he refused to get out. So, you got to pick him up and, you know, go for a chit-chat in one of the corners. Uh, we weren't sure we were going to see you back in this type of situation. Uh, does that make you appreciate it even more? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of knew we had a great team, right? So I knew we were going to have a kind of a deep run here. And, um, you know, when they told me about the injury, I was going to kind of miss it, you know, all, all the good show and even miss the deep run. So kind of happy to be here and, you know, kind of find my game here. How do you feel compared to when you would be in midseason form? Um, yeah, no, I feel I feel midseason. I think yeah. that's what you want to feel. You know, you're skating. It's happened fast then, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to, you know, you got to get up to pace, obviously, with the playoff and everything. And, um, you know, you want to be out there skating and, you know, not feeling any tired, not feeling anything in your leg. You know, I just want to be thinking about the game. So um, it's there now. And then, the, you know, the faster you skate, the more the, slow, the slower the game gets. And um, that's where we're at right now. Did you, was there a stage where in the last series where you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm back, I'm ready to go? It was slow, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was going to be kind of quicker because, you, you know, prepare hard and I was in the gym. Obviously, you couldn't do, couldn't do much of the lower body end. So, I, you know, it lost a little bit there. So I thought maybe, you know, jump right back, I'd get the weed to practice. But, you know, you kind of fool yourself. It takes, it takes a little bit more than that, right, even how hard you train in the gym. So, um, yeah, it took a little bit of time, but now I uh, kind of feel like I'm back. Were you working on the backhand during the rehab skates? No, I always add that. Obviously, that side's kind of my you know go-to side. I like to enter from that side, either attack the net or, or get it out there. So, uh, yeah, the shorter stick kind of helps for backhand too. Have, have you always had had a good backhand? Uh, no, I don't really know where that came from either. So, uh, I guess I'm learning everything from this year. Yeah. Uh, were you were you surprised, or what did that feel like uh, when when that puck went in? Yeah, no, I kind of saw there. There's, there was a hole, but normally you see the hole, but you never put it there, right? So, uh, but uh, yeah, it, you're going after the rebound. Yeah, kind, you know, you see it. It's like you know, the forehand is kind of easier. Backhand is like, all right, it's gonna go in this area. Uh, but you know, the short side was kind of open. His demons kind of screened it a little bit, so went left to right on the back end and just roofed it. And uh, yeah, it's just a big goal for us. Uh, before I let you go, you've been around here from the start. What about the chemistry of this team? It just it feels really natural. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get chemistry when you're winning too, right? right? I mean, yeah. we're winning all year, and you know, we got those long stretch of winning games, eight, nine games, and, and, and you we lose one, and the chemistry's still good. Boys are still chit chatting, and uh, you know, every line's got their own little chemistry and stuff going, and it's uh, yeah, we've been rolling four line, and it's been unbelievable. I think it's the, it's the best group of guys we have, and obviously everyone's healthy now, so it's great. Thanks for being the official with us today. Anytime. Anytime you guys need a raffle belt there. There's Will Carrier with Darren Millard earlier today. And, you know, the the idea of chemistry in Chapman, we've talked about this throughout the uh, the course of the year, and Will Carrier just kind of touched on it, right? Like, it, it's easier, I think, to find that chemistry, to, to be around each other and like the company when you're winning a lot of hockey games. And I think for the Golden Knights, they've had it even through the ups and the downs, and and that's a special aspect with this team. But I, I, I don't know. We're in the room, right? We see it. It's palpable. You can feel just how much this team loves to play with one another. Yeah, every time we're in the room, the, the guys are joking, laughing. I mean, we see the, the little commercials that they do in between periods with, with now the, the, the new one with the goldfish. You can see how much fun these guys have together. And, you know, something Jonathan Marshall so said, I think it was after game two, where he made the comment that this is the best team 
on paper and on the ice that he's ever played with, I think that says something because we all thought that the team we saw year one was going to be together for a long time. And the reality is that, that that's just not the case ever in the NHL where teams have, have that type of staying power. But yeah. George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon kept the core and they kept the heart and soul of this team together. And they brought in guys who've won, guys who've experienced the highest of the highs. You know, they, they, they talked about it yesterday in the broadcast where Alex Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, Jonathan Quick... Uh, there were a couple of other, someone else, oh, Ivan Barbashev had all helped a team win their first ever Stanley Cup. And here they are now in Vegas trying to help Vegas win their first ever Stanley Cup. It would truly be remarkable to, to, to think about that. But, you know, it just speaks to the volumes of the job that, that, the, that the front office has done, bringing in guys who fit, finding a coach who's able to get the best out of them. And I, and I don't think the contribution that Bruce Cassidy's made to this team and this franchise could be undersold. Like, you know, the, the, the job that Bruce Cassidy's done, I was, just, I was surprised that he didn't get any nominations for Jack Adams. Mm. I mean, we all knew it was going to go to Jim Montgomery, but Bruce certainly deserved to be in the discussion. I mean, this is a team that missed the playoffs last year, and they were the number one overall seed in the West. Yeah, I, I don't know considering where Bruce Cassidy is right now, that he's going to lose too much sleep over not getting the no, nomination. No, I think, for, I think he would rather, rather, but, rather have his name etched on but the But I, I think your point's well taken in that, you know, this is a Golden Knights team that when you look at all the moves that have happened over the last year or so, it's all been building to this point. You have Bruce Cassidy coming in and making sure that this team right now has answers in all different facets. How many times have we seen the Golden Knights get to this round and the struggle to score is very, very real? All of a sudden now the Golden Knights are able to put four on the board with just 16 shots and they cruise to a victory and cruise to a 3 nothing series lead. So every single decision that has been made over the course of this year has culminated in this an opportunity for the Golden Knights to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup Final. Speaking of Bruce Cassidy, as we've talked about, his contribution to this team cannot be undervalued or understated. Bruce addressed the media today, uh, gave a, a bit of an update on Brett Howden and, and really where the Golden Knights' focus is ahead of Game 4. <coughs> ben goes Las Vegas for you, Journal. Uh, Bruce, when you took over this team last year, they missed the playoffs. Are you surprised they came together again and gelled this quickly? Well, you never know. I know if surprise is the right word. You're, you got to get to know them, see, see how it plays out. Uh, good players in the room, former Stanley Cup champions, guys that have been to the playoffs. So we figured we would have the opportunity to get back to the playoffs. From there, you never know. Once you're in, anything can happen. Um, so that was the expectation. You learn now about your players a lot more in these kind of moments. And obviously experience is coming through for us. I think we've handled a lot of different things well. Uh, it's a credit to the guys. So um, here we are. We've got another challenge in front of us. And I think our guys will be up to it. We'll find out tomorrow. <clears throat> Stay on the left. I tip. Doesn't seem like they've had to do that very often. There we go. No, I, think we're I can hear you. I don't know if they can. I'll repeat the question, but if I can. It's okay. Um, it doesn't look like you've had to do that very often in this series. Your defensemen still 
you know, are, are fronting and, and playing, but not. And Joe, it doesn't look like Joe Pavelski's had many tip opportunities either. Why is that? Why are you guys being? What's going on there? Well, some of it, if he can choke off the plays sooner before they kind of roll it low to high, uh, kill them behind the goal line. We've wanted to be more aggressive in those situations. Um, denying entries can help there, but um, you know, I think we've our forwards have done a good job recognizing they have to get, make it harder for the whether the D or the their other forward is shooting the puck because sometimes they get three high <clears throat> to get it into that slot area. You can take away passing and shooting lanes. I think we've been real cognizant of that. Um, there was one last night that hit the post. In this, if you remember in the second period, I think it was Zach Whitecloud and Hag. They were both in front, jockeying with one player, and I think it was Kiva Ranta went out, and we were a little late on it, and they tipped and hit the post. There's a good example of what they do well, so if you're one second behind. But for the most part... Uh, we've we've been able to stay loose in front of the net and get out to that to that bumper. I don't think they've had as many shots for sticks as they'd like. Uh, I know that Joe's had a, Pavelski's had a couple off net by the post more than the high slot, uh, especially in game two in our building. So they make some adjustments too to counter what we're doing. But I think it was an area of concern for us that we've handled well so far for the most part. And like I said, they've tipped a few that. Fortunately, have avoided going in the net. And one did the other night off Theo stick, if you remember. I, I don't know who they gave credit to the goal. Maybe it was they switched it, but it went up over the goalie's head. So, they, I mean, they're still getting their off some of it from there. But, like I said, credit to the guys for recognizing it and, um, you know, keeping them pushed farther away than that than maybe they're used to. Stay on the left. Jesse Granger with The Athletic. You guys led the league in blocks during the regular season. You've blocked a lot of shots in the playoffs. Aside from just the commitment to, to put your body in the way, what do you think the team has done well to, to earn those blocks? Well, it goes to Dan's question. I think our D play close to the front of the net, so you're in you're close to that area to two, two block shots. I think if you looked at, if you track stats like that, I think the teams that play a little more of a layered defense will probably have more blocks than maybe a man-to-man -man because you're chasing away and there's only one guy in the way to do it. Um, that's certainly the way we play. Now, our group of defensemen have done it here for years, so um, I think it comes very natural to them. They're very willing to do it. And they're long. They're big bodies, so that, that has something to do with it as well. Stay on, stay on uh, the Ed, left. Ed Graney, Review Journal. Um, Bruce, a uh, little off Ben's question. Jonathan Marshall said a few times this week that he thought in the past they looked ahead. They got ahead in a series and they looked ahead and it cost them. What is it about your room that it appears just plays 60 minutes, does not look ahead no matter how much you might be up in a series? Maybe what, what you just said, right? Maybe they've learned through experience not to get ahead of themselves. I think that's part of it. They're, they've been there and done it and probably, you know, when, when it doesn't work out, you always look back, what could we have done better? And that's probably one of the things, just stay in the moment. We talk about it in the room a lot. Um, and I think it's worked for us. And like I said, it's a veteran group that's been there that you should learn from your past. And and um, and, I, and I believe that, you know, according to Marshy, he has at least. And I think it. they talk in the room. I, you know, you hear what they're saying. And I'm not going to repeat everything, but I think they always, after games, have... I, I just think they're really in the moment this year with just a little sort of what Mark Stone will say after a game, et cetera, about what the next game means or what this one did, but not getting too far ahead. Uh, like I said, I don't want to discuss everything that's said in the room, but my feeling is they are they're prepared to play one game at a time, be good the next game and not worry about too far ahead. Left side, fourth row. Hey, Bruce, Gary Lawless, VGK. The players appear pretty loose today. 
how, they they control their what happens next, and you know you can do your job, but once they go on the ice, you kind of lose control of it. How do you stay loose the next twenty four hours? Well, what we've the pattern we've kind of got into is, you know, we don't skate a lot in between. Um, we do our morning skate the next day, and we don't even really do team video today because I think you want a complete mental refresher. There'll be little individual things like, uh, you know, we met with Eichel's line over a couple things, but it's not a team thing so that they can, John will grab a couple of D, but we don't want to start already pounding them about game four. And I think we've done that through the whole playoffs. Tomorrow morning we'll say, okay, here's the areas we did well that we, had, we needed to, and here's some things that are popping up. Um, whether it's those tips you talked about, high tips closer to the net, uh, neutral zone, them trying to bump it into the middle speed and drawing us out of the middle, things like that. So I think that's helped them stay loose, to be honest with you. They get to have their, you know, their soccer game or if they go on for an optional, and it's, it's their day. It's not our day as coaches. Today is their day to sort of recover, and then tomorrow we'll start. It's more our day about you know, X's and O's and getting ready. <clears throat> Right side, third row. Vince Sapienza, Fox 5, Las Vegas. Any update on Brett Howden? Do you expect he might be available tomorrow? Uh, he will not skate today with the optional group, but most of the guys aren't going out there. Uh, after that, I don't know. He is getting looked at, so I won't confirm that he's automatically in, but I'm not going to rule him out either until uh, I get better news, or not better news, more news from our medical team. We have time for two more questions up front. Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. Um, I know it's easier to focus on your group in your room, but with the possibility of Ben being suspended tomorrow, the Dodonov doubtful tomorrow, is tomorrow a good way to look at the depth and the experience to lean on, knowing that they're probably going to make more changes to the lineup and try to finish it off tomorrow? You know, we can't get too concerned. I mean, we obviously, yes, we've gotten to know their players. We know, you know, there's information out there how we want to play against them, but you know who's in or out specifically. One or two players is not going to change all of that. Um, so you know, no, we're, we haven't discussed it at all. To be honest with you, as I said, today's the players' day. Tomorrow we'll talk about if we feel there's a certain lineup change. John Stevens has insight on a lot of the Dallas players because he worked there for a number of years, so that always helps. But um, other than that, no, it won't be discussed today. <clears throat> Last question in the back on the left. Well, you, Bruce, you kind of took my question. I was going to ask with John's history here. I was wondering, as a coach, when what what's the use? What's sorry? How do you use intel from player tendencies, things like that, from when a guy's been somewhere before? What's the proper way to apply it? And for us, for lack of better, not to overanalyze too. Well, there, for a playoff series, it's certainly he'll have insight into. Okay, who do you think? How do I phrase this? Um, who do you think you can push out of the series maybe easier than another player from his, ex you know what I mean? And I'm not putting him on the spot with any particular individuals. Information like that. Who's going to fight through? Um, so so there's that big picture. There's little things about their decor because he was specifically working with them. When Heiskin likes to join the rush maybe or... Um, who, who's going to be a little more aggressive in the neutral zone. So you can give players that play against the same player over and over every night, you know, some little details. In the regular season, that probably doesn't go a long way, but in the playoff series, it will. So that's how we've used John. And he's, a, you know, he's, you know, a great a asset to us, obviously, in our own room, but happens to have knowledge. 
you know, they, Pete obviously hasn't a lot of knowledge as well, so I think it was one of those series there would be not a lot of secrets on at least the individuals. That was Bruce Cassidy as he addressed the media today between games three and four for the Golden Knights. A 3-0 series lead and an opportunity to clinch things and sweep the Dallas Stars en route to the Golden Knights, what would be their second Stanley Cup final appearance in six seasons. I thought the the part in there about not getting too far ahead and, and this team living in the moment, I, I think that that was something that you know, as Jonathan Marchessault kind of pointed out prior to the series, right, that those were opportunities in the past that the Golden Knights were thinking about the next game, thinking about the next round when you weren't necessarily in the moment. And as Bruce Cassidy pointed out, it, it could be as simple as, I'm not doing anything differently. This is just a team that is learning from their mistakes. What do you think, Chapman? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it seems like every game they're, they're just getting better and better. Um you know, we, we, we talked about how they were one of the least penalized teams in the NHL. Actually, I think they were the least penalized team in the NHL, and that certainly helps things. And and we're, we're, what we've seen in this series is, and maybe because it's not, it hasn't been nasty, we haven't seen a lot of, like, the, the, the mental mistakes like we saw in the Edmonton series. We, we haven't seen the Petrangelo slash. We haven't seen Kolasar losing his cool. Um, so I, I think... This is a team that plays smart, and I think it starts from the, from the head. Like you've got Mark Stone, who who is an extremely intelligent player. William Carlson, I remember I remember one time asking him how how he doesn't take penalties, and and you know he talked about how it's 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 a skill. Yeah. You know, there's a skill in not taking penalties, and we we hear Bruce talk about what a high IQ he has as a hockey player, and I think it's incredible when when you hear Bruce compare him to a guy like Patrice Bergeron, like. I mean that that's the ultimate compliment if if you're William Carlson because I mean I, I think we we'd agree that Patrice Bergeron is one of the best players to ever play the game. He's gonna they should rename the trophy after him. Sure, sure. So um, you know it, 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 they're they're a highly intelligent team. They're a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And as this series has gone on, I mean, what do they have? One penalty, two penalties last night. Yeah, just two penalties for the Golden Knights. I think that as the series is wearing on, you're starting to see some of the question marks arise about the Dallas Stars, their inability to get to the inside against the Golden Knights. And if they're not able to get there, they're not going to be able to score enough goals to push the Golden Knights into an uncomfortable well, I, situation. I think they've checked out. I, I, I think last night they mentally checked out of that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, mean they, it was it I was know, three nothing seven minutes into the game. I know game they had you, you a, I know they captain, had a lot right? of shots. Like I, I know they had a high volume of shots, but Ryan, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's one moment in this series where I felt that Dallas is threatening to take control. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, high high shot volume, but how many of them are high quality shots? Like that's the thing. Well, that's that's the point, right? And and that's what I think the Golden Knights have done a really good job of over the course of this series in building their game. They've taken away the middle of the ice. And if you're not going to get to the inside, if you're the Dallas Stars, you're not getting those those high tips in the zone. You're you're not going to be able to score enough to beat the Golden Knights. And I think that's what's been on full display now through three games in the Western Conference Final. We have an update on the Eastern Conference Final, a score update to get you on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
Carlson left corner. Centered one-timer score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Here we go, one-timers. News and notes from around the NHL. We'll start with an update. Florida 2, Carolina 1. It was a 2-0 lead for the Carolina Hurricane, or sorry, for the Florida Panthers. And then Paul Stastny, former Vegas Golden Knight, finds a rebound underneath Sergei Bobrovsky and scores Carolina's only goal of the game. Makes it a bit closer. And I don't know if you saw Chapman, there was a big hit from Sam Bennett to Jacob Slavin about a minute and a half into the game. Slavin was in a bad way down the tunnel. Hopefully, hopefully, Jacob Slavin will be okay, but you know the, the Florida Panthers came out and they absolutely blitzed the Carolina Hurricanes the first ten minutes of this game. Yeah, and, and Sam Bennett's a guy who who's been in the in the mix a lot. Yep. yep. These playoffs. Yep. Um he, he's kinda got a nose for that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as clean of a player as Jacob Truba, but he's certainly capable of delivering the big hits the way Truba does. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think Truba gets a bad rap, and I think I I, I, I think Slave or I'm sorry, I think Bennett probably deserves his reputation because he he's a he's a disturber. Well, and and Florida has a couple of those guys on on this team. So I will say that it was an unfortunate circumstance. I don't think it was the, dirty. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a dirty hit, and, and that's that's the hard part about it, right? Like. It's a big, heavy hit. It's what Sam Bennett does. You, you, you almost don't give him the benefit of the doubt in certain situations. But this is one of those those times where it's a clean hit. It's a big hit. It's a booming hit, and really an unfortunate. Yeah, it's a lot, result. a lot like Troopa's hit in the Devil Series. It wasn't dirty. Maybe you question if yep. he, you know. I, I mean, by the letter of the law, by yeah, the rule, yep. it is a clean hit. Yes. And whether or not we agree know, with that rule yeah, is exactly. another story. Exactly. <laughs> um. The let's get a little bit of goodwill going for the Buffalo Sabres because we know how their fans could use some goodwill right now with Jack Eichel. One win away from a Stanley Cup final appearance. Uh, Buffalo re-signs captain Kyle Ocposo to a one-year contract, 2.5 million AAV. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it's a good move. You know, Ocposo is a guy who's been there for a while. He's a guy who who has been part of the bad times mm-hmm. he's a guy who who certainly i think they they could lean on for the good times you need a veteran presence and Ocposo is a guy who's definitely that um you know and, and i don't know if you're going to go down here but their ahl team is in the uh they they, they beat hershey last night one nothing and yep. you know who got the w malcolm suban yep malcolm yep. suban so um my thought on it is, like, Tage Thompson and or Alex Tuck, they're not ready to be captain yet. No. Right? Like, I think you've learned a lesson in, in kind of putting the C on a player maybe before it's time, before they're really ready for it. So that being said, I think you've got Kyle Ocposo as the stopgap until you name either one of those two players as your next captain. Now, and, I... Go ahead. I don't know Tage Thompson. I know Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. And... Nothing would shock me, or I wouldn't be shocked, I should say, if Alex Tuck was named the captain. I will always go back to the very, very first uh, development camp here in yep. Vegas. Alex Tuck was a guy who had played at a, at a very high level when he was selected by the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. And he was in that development camp because he wanted to be a positive influence on a lot of those younger guys. You know, the Nick Suzuki's and the Cody Glasses. Yep. Yep. He didn't have to be there, and he chose to be there. It, it really, to me, 
made me think that Tuck is a guy who, who at some point will wear a C on his chest. Yep. You know, I don't know if Thompson's that guy. Maybe he is. I, I mean, we don't we don't get to talk to, to those players. I would I would venture to guess that you want Tage Thompson focused on scoring goals yes. and not answering yes. questions. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and Alex Tuck, look, he he had a the best season of his career. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, Buffalo's been good. I, I think when we look back, we're going to look at it as a trade that worked out well for both franchises. Yep. And you don't get to say that a lot. No, you don't. And I think it's what everybody needed. And it can work out to be that way. It can work out that the Golden Knights got the player that they needed to kind of push them over the hump. And we'll see if that were, ends up being the case. And for the Buffalo Sabres, it's that trade has set them up with a really bright future now it's time for them to actually find a way to actualize that on the ice uh quick update jacob slavin will not return to the game tonight so that is a big big blow for the carolina hurricanes and as we we, we already talked about we hope that jacob slavin overall big picture will be okay um gm of the year award the uh the finalists have been announced jim nil with the Dallas Stars, Don Sweeney with the Boston Bruins, and Bill Zito with the Florida Panthers. Um, your, do you, oh boy, I have thoughts. What about you, Chapman? Well, I don't know if you give it to Bill Zito uh, because the Panthers... They were one point away from missing the playoffs. Yeah. They, um, were, they were a Pittsburgh Penguins victory yeah. over the Chicago Blackhawks away from missing the playoffs. Yeah, So and, and they won the President's Trophy last year. They fired Andrew Burnett. Mm-hmm. And if they miss the playoffs, I don't know if he's in that conversation. Well, um, he's, he's certainly not in that conversation <laughs> no, uh, if they miss the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it, it was Don Sweeney. I think certainly you, you, you could lean that direction. And, and Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars, mm-hmm. I think you got to give it to Jim Nill. I, I don't think – I know we you expected the Bruins to not make the playoffs, but I think a lot of people thought they were still going to be a playoff team. They didn't really lose much other than their, their coach – Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. To me, it, it's a toss-up between Nil and and Sweeney, but I would lean in the direction of, of Jim Nil because I didn't think Dallas was going to be where they were, and and I wasn't sure if they were going to take a step forward or step back. I mean, this was a franchise that almost missed the playoffs last year. Sure. So I think just by virtue of that, I think there he y- y- you give it to him. Um, yeah, I, I think I... And like, how is Kelly McCrimmon not a finalist? I, I, yeah, that's the part I don't get. Like, that's the part I don't understand, right? If you're going to reward Bill Zito for being in the Final Four, I, I don't know how you look at what Kelly McCrimmon has done over the course of this season and not view the moves, the changes, all of it. He's had to play five goalies. He, he ha- Yes, 100%. He goes out and gets Jonathan Quick as insurance, and all of a sudden you get... You know, six wins out of Jonathan Quick. It allows you to lock up the first seed in the Western Conference. You have Ivan Barbashev coming in. That trade, yep. He's been fantastic. Almost a point of game player in the playoffs. Teddy Uh, Bluger. Teddy Bluger, who's now solidified the fourth line with Nick Waugh moving up. Like, every decision. And then Bruce Cassidy. We were talking about, like, you can't undervalue what Bruce Cassidy has done for this team. Like, he's not going to win. You know the the most valuable player award for the Golden Knights, but I don't know that Vegas is in this spot. In fact, I know we 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 view this differently now, having seen Bruce Cassidy in a conference final versus you know Pete DeBoer in the last couple of times that the Golden Knights were in this spot. Vegas is getting it done. They're bought in. They are finding offense, and that has been the biggest change. And and I would argue 
the most impactful decision that Kelly McCrimmon has made to this team is bringing in Bruce Cassidy. Well, the other aspect, and I know these moves were made last year, but how huge have Ben Hutton, yep. uh, Brett Howden, yep. and Michael Amadio been for this franchise? Amadio had a, had a career, had a fantastic season. Brett Howden has had a fantastic season, and Ben Hutton. He's been really good when he's been called upon to come in and play, and that's been multiple times. I mean, Petrangelo missed, what, nine games in December? Yeah. Theodore missed a bunch of games towards the end of the season. There were injuries yeah. this year for the yeah. Golden Knights, and there it wasn't to the degree that it was last and, and, season. And aside from the fact that they had to play five goalies, they were also missing their captain yep. for a majority of the season, and their number one goalie missed the entire season, Ryan. So yep. not only did they play five goalies, but they were five guys who probably would have been backups if Robin Leonard was healthy. It is pretty remarkable what the Golden Knights have been able to accomplish and now just one win away from the Stanley Cup Final. Those are your one-timers for today, Wednesday, May 24th. Catching up with Chapman is next.